Praise the Lord. It's good to be back. Um, if you weren't here the last time I was here, I'll give you a couple things we'll catch up on. And uh, we are headed back to Uganda in uh, just a few weeks. This will be my third time in Uganda. Uh, I've had a couple of close calls in my uh, missions experience. I've been six times to India and a couple times to Israel and Haiti and Uganda and the Philippines and four times. And and uh, God has proven to me um, that He is faithful and that we will complete the work that He's given us to do before He takes me home. So a couple times were close calls, but uh, but God, Amen. I want to share with you before we get started, just something I felt like the Lord uh, pressed on my heart concerning this church. You know what what you have gone through is not unusual by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, my wife and I are originally from over by Alpena. And we've been gone for nearly 30 years. Uh, We were 10 years in Midland, Bay City, Saginaw area. was on staff at a large ministry there. And uh, we were pastoring for 16 years in Iowa. But what you have experienced is happening all over the United States. God is preparing His church. It is a confusing time unless you set your affections and your eyes on Jesus Christ and Him alone. Uh, I ran up here and got my Bible. I was just worshiping in the back. Um, And I really believe that this is a scripture for this church. And before I share it with you, and then you can't take this off my preaching time, but uh, before I share this with you, Um, my wife and I were reading this week and I've read it before I don't know how I missed it but we were reading Watchman Nee's book uh, Sit, Walk, Stand which is a great book Uh, actually better this time around but one of the things that Watchman Nee said was God worked for six days and Adam was not involved in that work On the sixth day, God created Adam. So literally, Adam's first day, alive, first full day, was God's Sabbath rest. So before Adam was allowed to do anything, he first had to enter into God's rest. He spent his first day on God's Sabbath resting in God. And the same thing is true for us. Before we can do anything for the Lord, we first have to enter into His rest. And that rest begins at redemption. Anything that will last for the kingdom has to be done by God because He receives the glory. 
And so when Jesus said, it is finished, that opened the door for us to enter into his rest. And so we spend our time there, and that's where you're at as a church. Don't let the devil get you all messed up and confuse you. You are entering into his rest. You don't have to. Vicki asked me this morning, what are you going to do if you don't raise the money for the books? Because they want 700 books in Uganda. We have five nations that will be represented. And I said, it's not my problem, which is the first time that I've ever said that because usually I'm trying to figure out how to make things happen. And do you know that this church is not your problem? This is God's church. This is not your church. You are part of the body of Jesus Christ. You do the parts. You be faithful with what God has given you and put in your hand. And let God build the church just like he said he would. Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2, and I believe this is for the church. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house, the church, shall be established on top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. And all nations or all people shall flow into it. Many people shall come and say, Come and let us go up to the, to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways. So, nobody likes tough times. Lord knows I don't. Uh, the trying of our faith is more precious than gold that perishes. But if you give me the choice, say, Ted, what would you like? It's more precious to the Lord the trying of your faith, then gold that perishes. Which one would you like? I'm going to take the gold every single time. I'm going to, that's what I'm going to take. So thank God it is Him, by the Holy Spirit, who is ordering our steps at will within us, at work within us, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. So He is at work preparing you and establishing you for a great harvest in the last days. I will say, if our current administration remains our current administration, you can be sure that America is under the judgment of God. The judgment of God is when God gives you your own way. I shared at Beaver Lake Church a couple weeks ago, if you were going to shake hands with every person that was killed during the Holocaust, you were going to spend, what did I say, Vic, five seconds? Five seconds with every person killed at the Holocaust. It would take you 356 days, something like that, to shake hands with every one of those people. If you were going to shake hands with every child that was murdered through abortion, 
from Roe versus Wade on, it would take you 936 years. Now you compare that to the Holocaust, and it is a bit eye-opening. So my prayer is that God spares us the judgment that our nation so, I mean, we're sinners. And that God opens the door for redemption and brings to fruition what he is doing in this church and with this church. It's not your responsibility. You do the part that you have at hand, and we'll talk about that. Amen? So, I, I believe God is raising this up. Just in a word of testimony, if you, I, I beg you to put this in operation. The things that I'm about to share with you are the things that Jesus Christ Himself, remember, He said that He would build the church. He's going to do it. And he is also the guy who said, if you're going to build something, don't build it on sand. Build it on a foundation. So he's going to build a church, and a church needs a foundation. So on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 were added to the church, but was there a foundation? Absolutely. Read the Gospel of Mark, and I'll share some things with you as well this morning. That foundation has to be in place. A couple of years ago, and I say this to the glory of God, we had an opportunity to go to Haiti and teach a seminar, a couple seminars, to 200 pastors on these things. Now, normally when I teach these, I'm, I take three days to do it from eight in the morning till six at night. These 200 pastors took this stuff back to their churches and began to put it into operation. I started to get reports of how the people were connecting and how they were seeing themselves as a part of the ministry as the ministry. Six months later, now you have all these believers that are busy about the Father's business. Six months later, the earthquake happened. Go home and Google Haiti Revival. They had the biggest move of God that they had ever experienced. And those 200 pastors, their churches exploded because they were ready to contain the harvest. The foundation was in place. So I just want to encourage you with that. I don't believe God wastes my time or your time or Africa's time if He's sending me someplace. I believe that He is preparing that church, those people, those that have ears to hear, to be a part of this great last day's move of God. For His glory, not for ours, for His. Amen? So let me pray and we'll charge on. Father, thank You for great grace today. We love You so much. We're thankful 
for Jesus Christ, for the blood. Lord, I pray that these words that I speak would be words of life. Not because I speak them, but because you bless them. You cause life to be birthed through this vessel of clay. Make alive these truths to us, Lord. Help us to see all that you have for us to be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. If you weren't here uh, last time, we talked about a particular ministry that is the most important ministry in the Bible. And most of us have missed this, and we've missed it for years. In fact, the church, especially in America, has developed a bit of a hierarchy. So you have this pastor up here, and then, you know, this kind of thing that goes down, this pecking order. If you say the word ministry, the word ministry you normally are going to think of the pastor or the worship leader or the elder. That's ministry. Or the youth pastor. That's ministry. But the truth is, we are together the body of Christ. There's only one anointing, and His name is Jesus. There's only one body, and His name is Jesus. There's only one ministry... And that ministry is the ministry of Jesus Christ. And Jesus uses his entire body 11 times in the book of Acts, which is the record of the birth of the first church after the resurrection of Christ. The words one accord show up 11 times, one accord. And every time that they do, there is an incredible move of God connected to it, one accord. So something happens when we function together as one, as one body, as one accord. That's called the, in, the, in uh, hermeneutics, which is a big word for uh, deciphering the Bible, it's called the law of first use. And anytime you see the law of first use, you see something first used, that was God's intention. For example, if you're going to go back and talk about marriage, what, what was marriage all about? Marriage was about uh, Adam. God gave him a wife, Eve, told him to have babies. He said to be fruitful and multiply. Why? Because God wanted to raise up a godly heritage unto himself. That's the law of first use. So when somebody comes along to you and says uh, gay marriage and, and such, it, it's not Adam and Steve, it's Adam and Eve. Adam and Steve cannot produce godly offspring. It's physically impossible. My three-year-old granddaughter, give her Legos, she knows that the parts with the bumps go in the parts with the holes. That's, it's just that's the way it works. You don't have to be that smart to understand that. And that's without the Bible. And the Bible is very clear. Now, if you want to turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I'll give you a quick update and, and uh, get us back on the same page, get you thinking again, remind you of some things, and we'll go from there. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28, I believe, says, God hath set... 
The words hath set uh, is a building term. It means to, to set into place like a pillar to hold up the structure. I'm assuming this is a pillar. And that's holding up the structure. And I would imagine that's a pillar. And it's holding up the structure. And this is a pillar. And that's a pillar. And it's all part of making the building stand. They're important parts of the building because they hold up the structure. Without the pillars, if I, if I had somebody ram this back end here with a bulldozer and knock out that pillar, what would we do? We would run. Why? Because whoever designed this building said for this building to be safe, all of these pillars have to be in place for the building to be sound. So in 1 Corinthians 12.28, when it says God hath set, that's a building term, and it means to set into a, a building like a pillar to hold up the structure. So what did God hath set into the church? God hath set into the church first apostles, second prophets, and third teachers. Now, if you're going to be an apostle, prophet, or teacher, you can't just go and uh, get yourself a... Um, a certificate by mail and say, here I am, Prophet Ted, Apostle Ted. There has to be an anointing that comes from heaven for the apostle, the prophet, or teacher. Ministry is a supernatural happening. The word Christ is the word the anointed one. It's not his last name. So it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage. Anything that is God's idea, He gives an anointing, a power to make it work. Marriage, for example. There is an anointing to make marriage work. Parenting. There is an anointing to be a parent. Why? Because both marriage and parenting were God's idea. And I, I always tell young people that have come to me over the years and wanted to get married, I say, if you live like a Christian, you can be married forever. If you decide not to live like a Christian, you'll be married for as long as you choose to be. So if we apply the Word of God and that anointing to our marriages, we can survive. And I'm not trying to condemn people that have been divorced. If you're remarried, keep the wife you got and go on. Amen? Let God sort it out. But God provides for us that anointing. So we know that these first three ministries, these leadership gifts, so this is just a representation of the leadership gifts. God hath set into the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. Wow. Got to have the anointing of God for those to work. After that, he says, God hath set into the church miracles and gifts of healing. Now, again, miracles and gifts of healing, you, you can't just go around slapping your finger on people and work up a miracle every time you, you want to. It has to happen by the anointing of God. It has to be something that God does, right? And so there has to be an anointing connected with it. So God hath set into the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles and gifts of healing. Now, those all function by the anointing. But look what comes next. 
After that, helps, H-E-L-P-S, administrations, and varieties of tongues. Look what, is, look what is mixed right in there with all of these other anointings. All of these other functions. All of these other pillars that need the anointing. Look what's in there. Helps. Wow, that must have some real deep theological meaning. Yes, it does. It means one who lends assistance. That's all it means. So God has given us this ministry called helps. He not only has given it to us, He tells us that's the best one that we should desire. That's what we should desire is the ministry of helps. Paul tells us that because he goes on at the end of the chapter and he says, are all apostles? And the answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all have gifts of miracles? No. Do all have gifts of healing? No. He skips over helps and administrations, and then he says, do all, ha- do all speak in tongues? Now, in this case, he's talking about tongues and interpretation of tongues. How do you know that? Because the next question he asks is, do all interpret? So, and again, the answer is no. But he says, desire the best gifts. What are the best gifts? It's the ones he didn't mention. The ministry of helps and administrations. He said, I'll not only tell you that these are the best gifts, I'll tell you how they work. They work by love. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love. He said, here's how they work. They work by love. You have a love for Jesus Christ like the Gadarene demoniac. After he was set free... The Jesus got into his boat and was getting ready to head out. And the Gadarene said, take me with you. I want to go with you. Why? He was so thankful. He didn't care. He, he, he'd row the boat. He'd carry Jesus' Bible. He, whatever. He was thankful and he wanted to serve. And the Lord said, I have a place for you to serve. It's called Decapolis. Go and tell the people in those cities. Decapolis means ten cities. Go and tell those people what's taking place in your life. Why did the, the gathering want to do that? Because of his love for Jesus and his thankfulness that he has been set free. Contrary to popular belief, God owes you nothing. Salvation is a gift of God's grace. He owes us nothing. We are, we, we are all vessels of wrath fitted to, for destruction. That's what Paul says. Without Christ, you're a vessel of wrath fitted for destruction. He owes us nothing. We, are, we, we were sinners. We were condemned to hell because we violated the laws of a righteous and holy God. Amen? So we thank God for what He has done in our lives. So this ministry of the helper is, is a vital ministry. In fact, if you're an apostle, prophet, teacher, you can be in the ministry of helps. I came over here today from near Alpena, and I didn't come over here to be Big Shot Ted. I came over here to, pa- to help Pastor Mike. By what? Doing the part that I'm called to do. To teach these truths to this church. I came over to help. I'm in the ministry of helps. 
When I go overseas, I'm in the ministry of helps. That's what I do. So, whether I'm picking up a paper off of the floor that doesn't belong there, whether I'm greeting someone at the back door, whether I'm helping a lady with her diaper bag, whether I'm teaching children's church or doing a youth conference, it's the ministry of the helper. And inside the heart, at the DNA level, remember I said this? At the DNA level of every believer is a desire to serve. If you are a real believer in Jesus Christ, if you are really a part of His body, on the inside of you, somewhere deep, is a desire to serve. There's a want to. There's a have to. And when they say we need volunteers, something on the inside of you should just jump and say, oh, oh, there's my opportunity. I'm going to step into it. Because if God gives you that opportunity and you take advantage of it, there's a blessing that comes along with it. Amen? Amen. God gives us these wonderful opportunities. In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says they are good works prepared in advance that we should walk in them. Good works prepared in advance that we should walk in them. That means the ministry God has for me is somewhere between where my back foot is and my front foot lands. It's a good work prepared in advance that I should walk in it. So when they receive the offering, you have an opportunity to be blessed. It's a good work prepared in advance that you should walk in it. You should make those bucket guys busy. Hang on, I'm still writing my check. I got my tithe. I'm working, working through my tithe here. It's good works prepared in advance. There should be a desire, just like, like Jeremiah. He said, it's like a fire shut up in my bones and I'm weary from holding it in. Now, in 1 Corinthians 12 as well, it says that God has set every member... You, sir, he has set every member in the body where he wills. So you are in the exact right place at the right time because God himself set you into his body. You're there. Well, I don't feel very important. Well, Paul deals with that. He says if everybody thinks they should be an eye, where would the hearing be? If everybody thinks they should be an ear, where would the smelling be? But God sets every part in the body where He wills. And just because you are where you are doesn't mean that you're going to be there forever. It's an opportunity to serve where you're at. But if God sets us in the body where He wills, then we can also say that, that we have a uh, prophetic destiny. We have a destiny. God, He's not making this up as He goes along. I think it's in Psalm 139 that says, All of our days are fashioned for us and written in a book before there were any. Before time even began, God write, wrote down a little chapter said, uh, Charlevoix, Michigan. Ted and Vicki Branshaw preaching at Charlevoix Assembly of God on this day. And he ordered my steps and here I am. 
Jeremiah 1.5 says, God speaking to Jeremiah, He says, before, everybody say before. Say it again. Now what does before mean? It means before. It means before now. Before I formed you, Jeremiah 1.5, in the womb. Before I formed you in the womb. Sir, before you were a glint in your daddy's eye, before he had that little smile on his face and said, Hey baby, God knew you. Before I placed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. And that is a cool word, new. Come here, youth pastor. That word new means this. You can look it up. That word new means by observation. Before I placed you in your mother's womb, I observed you. By care. And experience. Before I placed you in your mother's womb, I knew you by observation, care, and experience. Wow, that is a mind blower right there. Now, does that just mean that God knew what we were going to be and do? No. He says, before you were born, I sanctified you. Sanctified means to set apart. I had a purpose for your life. I set you apart. And not only did I set you apart, I ordained you. Before I even placed you in your mother's womb, I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Wow. God had a plan. 1 Corinthians 1.1 1, 1, Paul called to be an apostle. How? He took, a, he took classes? He thought, if I, when I grow up, I'm going to be an apostle? No. He said, Paul called to be an apostle by the will of God. God willed it. So God has a plan. God has a purpose. And you're right in the center of that plan. God is at work within you right now. Both to will, to give you the will, and to do of His good pleasure. And I'm not ashamed to tell people, if you come to church and you don't have a desire to serve, I have a question. Are you saved? Because friend, if you have a, if you don't, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, and it's all about you and what God has for you and what you can get from God, if it doesn't break your heart that in this city of Charlevoix, that there are thousands of people who are without Christ who are going to a godless hell, if you have an opportunity to do something in the place where God placed you and you pass it by, there's nothing on the inside of you that says serve, then I have to question, are you even saved? How can you say that? Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. 
and to give my life as a ransom for many. So if we're truly a part of the body of Christ, then the truth is we have the same desire to serve that Jesus did and does. We are the representation of God in the earth today. And something happens when you begin to to put your hand to what you find to do. There is, a, there is an anointing there that is absolutely addicting. I don't know if anyone here has ever been addicted to anything. But, but, but when you are addicted, you addict yourself on purpose. If you ever were addicted to cigarettes, when you first took that first puff, your body said, <coughs> your head spun, and your body said, don't do this! But bless God, you're in charge of your body. You ain't going to let your flesh tell you what to do. So you took another... It's good. It's really good. And before long, something you wanted to do became something you had to do. You were addicted to those cigarettes. Same thing is true of alcohol or drugs or anything that we addict ourselves to. At first, your flesh will say, Don't do this! But bless God, you're in charge of your flesh. So you're going to do what you want to do, regardless of what your flesh says. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13-15, Paul, speaking of the house of Stephanus, implored us to know him. He said in the King James Version, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. What? Oh yeah, ministry. You know what that word ministry means? Serving. These people addicted themselves to serving. You know what that tells me? The first time they showed up to vacuum the church, their flesh said, don't do this. Don't do this. They're going to expect it every week. They're going to give you more things to do. You know how it works. Your flesh will fight with you. Bless God, you're in charge of your flesh, aren't you? Paul said, I pray that you would know the house of Stephanus. They have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. They did it on purpose. And something happens when you begin to do what you do by the anointing of God. Something happens to you. And something that makes you want to do it again. I I, I never was, maybe you don't think so now, I never was a public speaker. I, I never wanted to, you know, stand up and tell people anything. Until I became a Christian, then my mouth got away with me. I said things I probably shouldn't have said and made people mad at me. Before God began to temper me a little bit. A little bit. He, He tempered me. But God put those things in my heart to do. And now I'm addicted. 
first time I went to India, maybe I told you this last time, first time I went to India, I hated it. I had a guy ask me, would you come to India and teach us stuff? I said, no, I don't know you. You don't know me. I don't, I'm a pastor, not a missionary. Don't, you know, you go be a missionary, I'll be a pastor. We'll hang out together when you come to town. We'll receive an offering for you or something. I just had no interest in going to the other side of the world. Well, at, long story short, God started sending me to places, and I eventually ended up in India. And I want to tell you something, I hated it. I hated it so bad that by the end of the first week, I told my wife, if these people are Christians, I'm not even sure I'm saved. I had never seen people that were so all in for the sake of the gospel like these people were. And yet they had rats, and they had cows sacred laying in the streets, and they had Hindus, and they had all of these weird smells because of the incense that the Hindus burn. And I didn't like it. I didn't like curry. I wanted anything to happen. Tom said, you've got to go for two weeks. I said, Tom, I only want to go for a week. He said, it's so far, you, you need to go two weeks. I said, okay. I'll tell you, by the end of the one week, I was ready for Vicky to call me and say, somebody died, you need to come home. That's how bad I hated it. But when I would step in and do the part that I was called to do, and I would begin to teach these pastors, and I'd watch their heads shake, and I'd watch their eyes open, and I'd feel the anointing of God that would come upon me while I was doing this, you could have said at that point, click your heels together three times and you'll be home. And I'd have said, no! This is what I was created to do. That's what I was created to do. But when I stepped out of that anointing and went back to my room where you had to keep the door shut for fear of the rats coming up the toilets, where the curry and the incense, I was ready for an emergency at home to go home. When I was a kid, I had rats run over my feet while I was fixing a chicken coop for my dad. I hate rats. When I was a kid, I had a, uh, uh, working for a farmer, I had a, a mouse ran up the inside of my pant leg. And I, I, I didn't know it was a mouse. And immediately I, I reached out and I grabbed something. My first thought, that was the days before a lot of fabric softener, so I'm thinking maybe it was a sock or something that got stuck in there. And then it moved. And I'm out in the middle of this field with my brother looking where we're going to put this electric fence. And I said, Bob, get over here. Help me. What? What's the matter with you? Get my pants down. He said, are you nuts? I said, no, I think a mouse ran up my leg. He said, let it go. I said, what if it keeps going up? So I squeezed that thing as hard as I could until finally <laughs> my brother helped me get my pants down and I <laughs> flipped that mouse out on the ground and stomped it to death. 
So India was not a treat for me whatsoever. In fact, I've been there six times now. And when I talk to the pastors, I say, let me tell you about the worst missions trip I was ever on. It was in India. And I tell them why. But then I tell them about how the anointing came and it gripped my heart. And I say, now let me tell you what the best missions trip I was ever on is. It's this one. It's this one. See, as pastors, we get an opportunity to experience that. The first time that you get up to preach or youth pastors or whatever, or you teach a class at Sunday school, and, and you, you got your notes. I think the first time I preached, I had like 22 pages of notes. And I just, I got up there and I, I just had been through those notes so many times, you couldn't tell I was reading them. I just had it memorized. But then there comes a time that when, as a preacher, you're preaching and all of a sudden you notice things coming out of your mouth you had never thought of before. And you feel that anointing of God rising up on the inside of you and it's like driving an Indy car. And you go, wow! And then when it's done, and you step out of the anointing, you go, it's like crack. I want to do that again. I want to do that again. Do you know that that's in the Bible? Not only did Paul say that the house of Stephanus have addicted themselves, Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of Him who sent me. What was Jesus saying? Every time I do the will of Him who sent me, God adds something to my life. Like a protein. Something that builds me up. Every time I do it. And when that you get that touch from God, friend, you, you can't help but want to do it again. When you're functioning by the anointing. Paul said, I pray that you'd... Or uh, and Paul and Philemon said, um, I'll think of it. He said, I pray that you would be active in sharing your faith. That, that doesn't mean preaching from a soapbox. You pick up a paper in the parking lot, you just shared your faith. I pray that you'd be active in sharing your faith because then, not until you get busy, then, you'll have a full understanding of every good thing you have in Christ. But not until then. Or how about he who waters will himself be watered. And I'll tell you, once you taste of that spring of living water, as you do the will of him who sent me, you can't help but just want to get after it again. Come here, would you, sir? With the come, Brother? Come here. Come up here. Oh, oh, stop it. Stand up. Be healed. Stand up on the step right here. This one. All right. He's going to be an electrical receptacle. He's an electrical receptacle. All right? He's a, he's a plug-in. There's no plug. Well, I guess there's one there. He's a plug-in, so make me a plug. Make me a plug. Uh, okay. Now, make it so that we flip it over. Use your other hand if you need to. <laughs> okay, never mind. Just leave it the way it is. 
Now watch. This is the power of God right here. This is the anointing. This is Christ. Amen? Amen. But for our example so far, He is an electric receptacle. Now I can take a heater, plug it in right there. You know what's going to happen? I'm going to get heat. Out of this power will flow heat. Unplug it. No heat. I can take my fan and I can plug it into the same receptacle I got heat from. You know what I'm going to get now? Nice cool air. Same power, different gifts. Same power, different gifts. So, um, come be my pastor for me, would you? Do, can you, do you know John 3.16? For God so loved? Okay. All right. What's that? Not a very good pastor. For God so loved... Can you say the whole scripture? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that those who believe in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. There you go. Now, our pastor needs to plug into the anointing. Now do it. Everlasting life. Okay, now you come up here. Stay there, Pastor. Yeah, you. You're the only one in that section. (laughs) Only because I know you can sing. Come right over here. Okay, unplug for just a second. Now, you know Jesus loves me? Yes. No, yeah. Do that. Jesus loves me this Okay, that's enough. Now, If she does that, plugged into the anointing, that anointing will flow through her and change your life. You you expect it from him. He's the pastor. But if she plugs into that anointing, that anointing will change your life because it will flow through her. We're to commit unto faithful men who are able to teach others also. That's how the church grows. Now, a youth pastor, you have a sense of humor? No, you're staying right there. Now, you're the guy that runs the vacuum. Okay? Make, turn around. Make vacuum noises. It's a loud vacuum. Okay, all right, all right. Now, anointing to be a pastor... Remember? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. God hath sent the church. First apostle, second prophets, third teachers. Anointing to be a worship leader. Anointing for helps. Run that vacuum. Amen. Now, I, what I, did I turn this backwards? Same anointing. Different gifts, just like the fan and the heater. Same anointing, different gifts. Now, let's do this. Pastor, you plug in. And worship leader, you plug in. Now, all do your thing at the same time. 
Okay, now, as terrible as that all sounded together, in God's ears, that is the greatest sound that you could ever have. Because you had three people, three gifts, in one accord. Did you ever see the movie Drumline? Remember the movie? The, I always look for the key line in every movie. And there's a key line in that movie where the guy says this. He says, you have to learn to enjoy the sound of the band or the orchestra more than you enjoy the sound of your own instrument. So you need to learn to enjoy the sound of the whole orchestra more than you like to hear yourself speak. More than you like to hear yourself sing. More than you like to function under the anointing of God while you're vacuuming. Because to God, that's one accord. Let's try it again. And when we are in one accord, go. Go, come on. Somebody pull your plug. Yeah. Okay, all right. To God, one accord is a beautiful thing. Because then He can move the same way as we taught you last time in Acts chapter 6 when the seven table waiters started waiting on tables. What happened? The word of the Lord increased. great number of disciples added to the church. And a great number of priests became obedient to the faith. Why? Because seven guys started feeding old ladies. Under the anointing. Amen? Amen. You got it? All right. Now, let, let, let me stay right there. Let me show you how that anointing works. Let me show you how it, how it works. Because it, it, you can't be anointed just because you choose to. My, my brother-in-law is a state trooper. And he has a gun and he has a badge. And he can take his badge and he can stop a semi. Holds it up. What happens? Semi stops. Why? Not because he's so strong. He only weighs 185 pounds. But it stops because of what that badge represents. That's backed by the full faith and power of the state of Michigan. And you better stop or else you're going to have Michigan on your back. Amen? So, he has the power to do that. But you know what he doesn't have the power to do? To go into Casey or 7-Eleven or Come and Go or one of those places and say, Hi, I'm a state trooper. Here's my badge. I'm going to go ahead and take some coffee, some Fig Newtons, and a bag of donuts. And uh, here's my badge, so thank you. Oh no, he can't do that. That's outside of his realm of authority. He, he can't, that's called thievery. He can't do that. He can only do what was committed to him to do. You know who else could only do what was committed to them to do? Jesus. Jesus said, I only do the things that I see the Father do. 
And I only say the things I hear the Father say. Jesus didn't go around saying, give me a bag of donuts. Contrary to popular belief, Jesus did not heal everybody. The man who was at the pool of Siloam with all the other sick people, Jesus stepped over a whole bunch of sick people until he got to the one guy and said, Hey, take up your mat and walk. Why did he pick that guy? Because he saw what the Father was doing. He heard what the Father was saying. And it was so obvious that the centurion came to him and said, Hey, my servant or son is sick. And uh, would you take care of him? Would you heal him? Yeah, I'll, I'll come to your house. No, no, no. You don't have to come to my house. Because just like you, I'm a man under authority. I have a badge. You have a badge. So I say to men, go, and they go. And I say to men, come, and they come. So I know you're under authority. So you can say, be healed. And that person will be healed. Right? Because they're under authority. Do you know the same thing is true in the local church? Step up another step, would you? Uh, Maybe one more. Okay. This is God. Now, we're going to really give you a promotion, even though you don't quite have John 3.16 down. (laughs) And we're going to make Him Jesus. Now, Jesus came to do what? To reveal the Father. He came to bring glory to the Father. Father, I brought you glory on this earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. The work that you gave me to do, I did. He whispered in his ear. He did it. He showed him things. He did it. But he only did those things. And how did he do it? Under authority. This is like the state trooper in the state of Michigan. He's under authority. We, we want to think somehow that Jesus just went around zapping people. But no, He only did the things that God told Him to do. He was under authority. He was giving us an example. Now, Jesus said it would be good for you to go because he, remember, He came to bring glory to the Father by completing the work. Jesus said it would be good for you if I go because if I go, I'll... Uh, send the Holy Spirit. Because up until this time, Jesus was the only apostle, the only prophet, the only evangelist, the only pastor, and the only teacher. The ones that were truly anointed, that was Him. So He said, if I, if I go, I'll send you gifts. Good gifts. Stand in front of me. I'll send you good gifts. Well, step down. I'll send you an apostle, a prophet. No. Come here, evangelist? Yeah. Pastor? Yeah. You want to be a teacher? Come be a teacher. You look like you can teach. Okay, come on, hang on. Plug in. Plug in. 
Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor. Oh, I'll be a teacher. Now, what happened here? We get our anointing to do the work that Jesus Christ, the head of the church, sent us to do by being under His authority, which we should be since He's the head of the church. And Jesus is under the authority of the Father, and He came to bring glory to the Father. And so He sends us forth to do the work that He's called us to do. The apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We're all plugged in. Now watch this. Uh, uh, you, you'll be the pastor. Okay? Step step up. Pastors under the authority of Jesus Christ, the head of the church who came to bring glory to God the Father by completing the work that God gave him to do. So pastor now is under authority. He's plugged in to Jesus Christ. He's not functioning in his own power. He can't go in with his gun and get donuts. He's got to do what Jesus told him to do. So, he can't do it alone. So God sends him a worship leader. Sends him an elder. Sends him a a, mm, deacon. And a children's worker. And now we are under the authority of the pastor. We're under his authority. You, you, you just, if you were a children's worker, you just, you, you, don't you talk to the pastor and say, what's the vision for the church so that we're on the same page while we're teaching kids? The, with, with the music, don't you talk to the pastor and make sure it's not something, you know, you ain't nothing but a hound dog. You know, that's not going to, the pastor says, no, that ain't going to work in church. So you're under the authority of the pastor. You're plugged in. Amen? And then we have a worship leader who's under the authority of the pastor, who's under the authority of Jesus Christ, the head of the church, who came to bring glory to God the Father. See where the anointing? Jesus got His power from the Father. Anointing. Anointing flows to the pastor because Jesus gave good gifts to men and the pastor committed unto faithful men who are able to teach others also. Are you with me? And so... Our worship leader gets a drummer and gets a bass player and um, what could I play? A guitar. Now, we're we're not just going to, the drummer, you're the drummer, right? He's not just going to take off in the middle of uh, worship and do a drum solo, right? Remember years ago, those of us that are old enough, the old wipeout? Wipeout! <laughs> and they would do the drum solo, and it's this real long thing, and he just beat those drums. He ain't going to do that. He's not going to do that during worship. Why? Because he's going to do what she wants. He's under the authority of the worship leader, who's under the authority of the pastor, who's under the authority of Jesus Christ, the head of the church, who came to bring glory to the Father. So Jesus is anointed by the Father. And under His authority, that anointing flows as the head of the church to the pastor 
who then commits unto faithful men who are able to teach others also, who then commit unto faithful men who are able to teach others also. You see how important you are? You have a place in the body of Christ. And once you begin to do that, and that anointing rises up and you do it in the strength that He provides, I'm telling you, you will never be the same. Do you know the Apostle Paul, listen, I, I love this example. The Apostle Paul said, at 20 years into ministry, he writes a book of, uh, of Romans. He says, as we behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, we are changed. And that word changed is the word metamorphosis. Now, does anybody know what animal in northern Michigan undergoes metamorphosis? What is it? Caterpillar. How do they do it? They make a cocoon or crystallis. And once that caterpillar is changed and comes out of that crystallis, you cannot shove it back into the crystallis, the cocoon. Once it's changed, it's changed. You can't put it back. And once that anointing touches your life and you're changed, you don't want to go back. If you're not busy about the Father's business, folks, you are missing one of the great blessings of this life. Andre Crouch, years ago, shows you how old I am. I don't even know if he's still around. He sang, If heaven never was promised to me, Neither God's promise to live eternally. It's been worth just having the Lord in my life. Not it's been worth to get a gold filling. Not it's been worth to become a millionaire. Not it's become worth getting a new car or job or wife. It's been worth just having the Lord in my life. Living in a world of darkness, you came along and brought me the light. And here is the, the picture of the local church. Go ahead and be seated. Give them a hand clap, would you? And we can do that with any ministry in the church. We can do it with elders, with children's workers, with uh, ushers, with uh, um, youth pastors. All of that, they can all be under the authority of the pastor who's under the authority of Jesus Christ who came to glorify the Father. And you can do what you do with the anointing of God. I'll tell you a story and then we're done. It's a cool story. Maybe, I hope I didn't tell it to you before. Um, <laughs> I came into church one day. Now, you know in the book of Acts chapter 19... I didn't use it because I didn't get sweaty because your furnaces aren't working, um, which doesn't bother me. Uh, you know, in the, I think it's in Acts 19 where they took the um, cloths from the apostles' bodies and they laid them on the sick. And the sick were healed and demons came out. Remember that? You remember that story? Nod like this. Yep. Okay, do you know, here, here's the story. There was nothing special about those cloths. I looked it up. You know what they were? Sweat cloths. 
I got a stack of these on our spare bed ready to take to Uganda because I sweat like a pig. They were sweat cloths. Now, somehow, a tangible anointing, while those preachers were ministering, got stuck on that cloth. And when they laid that cloth, that anointing went and broke the yoke of bondage. It, that, that, again, that blows my mind. That shows you how real the anointing is. Now, one day I walked into, church, into our church in Iowa. And uh, as I walked in, I, you came to the office first and then the women's restroom. Did I tell you this story? No. You came to the women's restroom. So I get ready and I'm going to turn into the office. And the women's bathroom door is open. Not unusual. It's, you know, no church today. And I hear Cindy in there. And she is worshiping at the top of her lungs. And she's praying in tongues. And she is just worshiping. Oh, God, I glorify you. I give you praise. I mean, she's just having at it. And I walked past the office door and I looked. I couldn't see Cindy, but I knew it was her. And I walked into the office and I said to the girls, I said, what's going on in the women's restroom? Oh, that's just Cindy. She's cleaning the toilets. I said, no kidding. That is way cool. Now, I have this really overactive imagination. Give me enough time to think about something and I can make myself chuckle. But I was driving thinking about Cindy praying in tongues and worshiping while she cleaned that toilet. And I pictured in my head, you know how we come to church on Sunday morning? You know, you, you hurry up. Ah, you kids, get in your car. We're going to be late. You should have ate breakfast when we were eating breakfast. And you get in the car and you're on your way and the kids are Don't make me pull that car over, you know. You, have, you don't ever have days like that? You don't make me pull that car over. We're going to be late. And I could picture in my head a family coming to church like that. Some mom just going, you kids are going to be the death of me. And then she walks into church with her family and the greeters are there and they say, good morning, Mrs. Smith. And she goes, oh, praise the Lord. Good morning to you. You know, but gets her church face on. But inside she's thinking, if I just had 30 seconds alone, I think I could get my act together. So she decides to go into the bathroom. And she goes, this is my imagination, she goes to the same toilet that Cindy was cleaning. And she says, if I just had 30 seconds to get myself together, so she hikes up her skirts, and she sits down on Cindy's toilet. Remember that anointing that was on that rag. And that anointing comes in contact with her. Ah, hallelujah! She's free. And she's free. It can happen. But how many of us as helpers in the church 
actually spent time praying before we came and did our ministry this morning. I wonder. Greeters, did you pray and say, Lord, let everybody I touch come under conviction, under the power of the Holy Ghost and be healed. Ushers, Lord, thank you that you would allow me, trust me, to pass the bucket this morning. Thank you. Lord, that you'd trust me with your money. Or the sound guy. How many of us really spend that time getting plugged in like the pastor has to do? Because when we do that and we're in one accord, I'm telling you, miracles will happen. Now, what am I called to do? Remember, God orders our steps. So you're in the right place at the right time. God hath, or, uh, uh, God said in the church, every member where He wills. So you're in the right place. He's ordered our steps. We're here. Right? Check. We're here, right? Now what? Now where does my ministry begin? I know I'm called to do this. Yeah, but you're not there yet. You're here. So do what's in front of you. Good work prepared in advance that you should walk in it. Your ministry is where this back foot is and front foot lands. That means if they say they need help with the Royal Rangers, something on the inside of you ought to go, hoo, hoo, hoo. There's my chance to get under that anointing again. And as much as I disliked India, after I tasted that anointing, I had to go back. And I just had to disappoint that guy. He said, I wanted you to come for November and December. I said, "Uh, it didn't work. I'm going to Uganda. And I would have gone there. I love it. Although I hate those rats and that curry and all that stuff. But I love being in that anointing. So see, you and I should have that same grab, that same desire, that same hope to do what God has called us to do and do it with all of our might. Because I promise you, if you do that and learn what one accord is, it's not just all singing in the same key. You learn what it is to care first for the household of faith and to reach out into your community. I'm telling you, when you do it together, in His name, for His glory, under His anointing and authority, God will move mightily. This church will never be the same. Bow your heads. Father, thank You for grace for this church. What a great season it is. Lord, we don't have to be concerned about what other people do, about what other people say, where other people went. We need only be concerned that we're faithful. Those good works prepared in advance then leave us with the opportunity to do as Ecclesiastes says and do what our hand finds to do. Whether it's picking up papers or teaching a Sunday school class or preaching from the pulpit, we're going to do what our hand finds to do under the anointing of God. Lord, bless these people. Lord, help them to see this important, important area of ministry. 
And give them a desire, Lord. Let each one of them cry out in their heart right now, I want to be a part of this. I want to be used of God. I want to serve. Lord, let them just bug the pastor. Saying, come on, pastor, give me something to do. You're doing everything around here. Let me do some of it. Lord, Help us to walk together in one accord. And be glorified, sir. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.